All right. We're in this sermon series called Above the Divide, and we're looking at things that Christians divide over, topics that Christians divide over, and we're going to be looking at the topic of authority today, and this is a bit of a different take, because usually when I'm talking about these these divisive subjects or whatever, it's usually something that divides because people have a disagreement over an issue. There's a topic, and one pe- some people think about it one way, other people think about it another way, and they disagree, and so they can't get along, or they write long books about each other, or whatever like that. Today, I'm talking about a kind of separation, a kind of division that's actually inevitable and good, but there and still an issue, and that's the issue of authority. One of the military guys that I read just simply defines authority as the right to command, the right to tell somebody what to do or what not to do and to expect to be listened to, to be, expect to be obeyed. And this is what I mean by it's an inevitable divide. If a hockey team, let's say one of our local hockey teams, the Pistons, are all in their change room, everybody involved with it, the whole team can be in the change room, but they're still coaches and players. Who's got the authority? Right? You can have an election in a country... And you can spend $600 million to go back to exactly the way things were. And we're all citizens, but some people are MPs and some people aren't. True fact. You can go to school on Monday and everybody goes to that school. And you can go to a classroom and everybody's in that classroom, belongs to that classroom... Some people are teachers and EAs, and some people are students. Is there a difference? True? And I could keep going on here, but all of these situations I've described are differences based on some people having a certain amount of authority in a situation. That's why elections are so important. When you get elected, you all of a sudden have all of this authority to spend all kinds of money and change all kinds of rules. And there's this expectation that, you're, that everybody else is going to have to respond to these laws or commands that are coming out there, which is why it's a big deal. If you're a family, anybody just drop off some kids in children's ministry? Just, just one? Okay. Well, great. When you get in your van or you get to your home, you're all a family. Are some people in charge of what gets eaten for lunch and other people aren't? True facts. So this is why I talk about this inevitable divide. You can't get away from this. This is the way God made the world, that there is such a thing as authority, and it is a part of how we do everything, whether we like it or not. Even if we all decided there would be no authority at church, there'd be no rules, there'd be no offices, there'd be no positions, what would happen is that the naturally charismatic people would kind of just get the influence over people, and people would start granting them authority in their life just naturally because this is part of how we even relate to each other. Newsflash, people want to be told what to do. Sometimes we don't like who's telling us, 
But generally, we do want to receive leadership and instruction and direction from people. It's part of how we're wired because we were made in the image of God to relate to God, who is the ultimate authority. And I was even thinking about this, about how I wonder, I don't think we'll ever even get away from this because even in the new heavens and the new earth, I think there's going to be positions of authority. I could be wrong, but Jesus told a parable one time in the Gospel of Luke. It was the the parable of the talents, that one where uh, the king goes away and he gives talents to his servants. One gets ten and one gets five and one gets one. And he comes back after a while to see how they do. Do people remember this story? And he gives an evaluation of it. And in the Gospel of Luke, when the king is dispensing the rewards for the faithful servants, he actually rewards them with cities. You're faithful with this meanness or talent? Great job. Now you get to be in charge of a city. And this is a whole eschatological end times promise of reward for faithful service to Jesus. But at least one of the the parables Jesus tells about what it's like to enter into heaven and to receive your reward for serving Jesus involves some people being told, you're the new mayor of Detroit. Or you get to be be over ten cities, so you're going to be the premier over Manitoba. We actually only have like three cities, but whatever. Don't tell anybody. So I'm not even sure we can say, well, I can't wait to get to heaven where there's no bosses and there's no mayors and there's no premiers and there's no prime ministers and there's no whatever because authority is such a part of the nature of God that I think we can even expect it to be functioning perfectly in the new heavens and the new earth as the blessing it's meant to be, but not necessarily just like a flat, everybody's the same. I don't know, but we'll see. But one time, Jesus told his 12 disciples, if you serve me real great, I'll give you cities. With citizens in that city that you're going to be in charge of. Authority, the right to command. And I'm going to cut to the chase here. And I'm going to share this morning that I think, whether you have authority or you're under authority, as a Christian, the key to doing authority well, according to the word of God, is this. The heartfelt belief that whether you're in authority or under authority, God really does care about you. That's what makes it possible to have authority, and that's what makes it possible to be under authority. The heartfelt belief That the God of the universe, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus raised from the dead and the Holy Spirit really does care about me. And I think we're going to see this from Scripture. But I'm, I'm giving you the goods right now. So in case your internet crashes on you, you already know the point of the sermon. Having authority... And being under authority is about this. It's going to test one core belief. Does God really think I'm important? So who has the authority right now? As Christians, we believe that ultimately all authority belongs to God. And especially that 
Since Jesus was raised from the dead, God has invested his authority in Jesus Christ. And so at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says to his disciples, he appears to them, he's been raised from the dead, and he comes to them to commission them to go into all nations and make them disciples and to baptize them. And he starts off his commission by saying this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So ultimately, who has all the authority? King Jesus, raised from the dead. This is part of his reward for his sufferings. This is part of the crowning of kingship as Jesus came out of the dead, after, out of the grave, after dying for our sins. He didn't just get resuscitated like somebody who got hit on a sidewalk and the EMS showed up and they put the paddles on him clear and brought him back from the dead. And that's what you get. You suffered for sins and you get your life back. Jesus gets the reward for his dying for sinners, which is everything. And part of getting everything is that he has authority over everything. Jesus has the right to command everywhere in heaven, everywhere in spiritual reality, over every single kind of spirit, and on the earth, meaning every single person, and every single government, and every single situation, every single church, Jesus has the right to command from God. It was given to him. Jesus came, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I understand it's from the Father. It's not like we grant Jesus authority that he doesn't have. We, we can learn to participate with it through our obedience, but the authority came from God the Father. And Jesus has it. He's the boss. Everywhere we go, he's the boss. Every, everything that's happening, Jesus is the boss. And he has the right to command as king. Thank goodness. And Christian prayer is going to the man who has all authority and asking him to use that authority for his glory and for our good and then patiently waiting on his response. But that's why we can go there. He has the right to command and he also has the power to back it up. I learned a great lesson about authority. It was one of these international uh, trips we were doing. I don't remember which one, but we were traveling in an airplane and it was one of those big jumbo jets, the 747s or 777s or whatever it was. Lots of people in there. And where we were sitting, I think there were something like two, four, two, like the eight seats across the airplane. And where we were sitting, just across from us, was a lady who had come in with some kind of uh, therapy dog or something like that. I don't think she was hard of seeing. I don't think it was like one of those seen eye dogs, but I think it was some kind of therapy dog. I think she had seizures. And I think she said that the dog was trained to like detect the seizures and kind of try to get her to a safe place if she was going to be having a seizure. So she had this dog on the airplane and it was not tiny. It was like the Pyrenees. Is the Pyrenees a big one or something like that? It was like a 90 pounder. Well, I'm not a dog man, so it was big and it was white. And if I had met it in a dark alley, I would have turned the other way because it, it was crazy. And so some of, it was well trained, but some of the other passengers sitting nearby were not excited about having this really big dog in an airplane for six hours. Amen? What do dogs do? Yeah, they bark. They leave stuff when they get excited. They shed. You know, there's reasons for people to not feel comfortable about this. So there was all this hubbub. 
about people not wanting to sit by the dog and is the dog going to sit in the chair or is it going to sit in front of there and when it lay down it actually lay down in front of three chairs and so there was just trouble about this and the owner of the dog felt very bad like she could not travel without this dog at all but there was just she felt I think embarrassed that people were upset with the dog being there can you sympathize with that situation now where I saw authority come into effect was the um, flight attendant was trying to sort all this stuff out and she was doing a great job and I remember there was this one moment where the owner of the dog just said the flight attendant said hey when we get into the air this is what's going to happen you're going to go here and the dog can go there and those people are going to go there and the flight the owner said hey when I was booking my flight they told me that we couldn't do that it's against the rules for my dog to go here and other people to go there and that's part of this and the flight attendant and this was the part the flight attendant said this so good she was amazing. She just said, listen, as soon as those doors close, this is my airplane. So you just, you chill. And the lady was like, oh, okay. And I just love that. As soon as those doors close, there's all the rules in the world. As soon as these airplane doors close, I'm the boss. And I thought about that. I'm like, when Jesus rose from the dead... He closed the doors on the airplane of heaven and earth. He's the boss. Amen? Now the boss will invest his authority in different places. He does invest his authority in secular governments and wants them to be respected. He does invest his authority in parents and wants them to be respected. He does invest his authority in various other kinds of leaders and wants them to be respected. But ultimately, it all goes back to Jesus, and we are his servants. So let's read some of 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to especially be looking at this some church authority stuff, with elders and other people, and we're going to zero in on this, this idea of learning to either have authority or be under authority by trusting in God with humility here. And so I'm going to read this together. I'll read this for you, excuse me, and then I'll make some comments. These are the very words of God. Peter says, through the Holy Spirit, So I exhort the elders amongst you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Close yourselves, all of you, meaning both groups, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's my key part right there. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, 
knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the authority, I'm sorry, dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father God, we just come to you through Jesus Christ, and I pray for so much grace. Would you bless us and help us to understand and submit to you with humility so that we can experience all your mighty hand in our lives. And all God's people said, amen. So I want to start here with just asking this question. If you're here, do you have any kinds of roles of authority in your life? Put up your hand if you can think of one. Do you, are you a parent? Do you have a job where you're responsible for stuff? Um, do you have, are you part of an organization where you have a title? Anything like that? So one more time, anybody who has any kind of authority? Okay, good. Yeah, so do I. I have some roles of authority. Question, is it easy where you have authority? Okay, some head shakes. Is it is it light? Okay, do you always know what to do where you have responsibilities? Okay, do you sometimes totally blow it? Okay. Do you sometimes wish you didn't have those responsibilities? Anybody? Somebody? <clears throat> yeah. Having authority is uh, is is kind of rough stuff. Have, have you ever wished you had more authority? Any lust for powerers in the room? Well, when you put it like that. Totally. Anybody wanted like a position in an in a, in a office that you didn't have? A, some kind of promotion? Any, nobody? Anybody? Okay, I know you're, you're not telling the truth because I know some of you have complained about how the bombers get coached. Right? Which is a nice way of saying, I could do better. Which is a nice way of saying, I should have that job. Right? Anybody? Somebody? Okay. Anybody complain about your boss before? Don't put your hand up. Which is a nice way of saying, I could do better. Which is a nice way of saying, I should have that job sometimes. Okay, well, when you put it like that. God has blessed us with this world where we get to experience being under authority. And it always comes through people because we are practicing to be under God's authority. And sometimes we think, you know, if I only had to directly respond to the authority of God, then everything would be better. If I didn't have people over me, but it was just Jesus, then everything would be better and easier. Correct? Okay. There was one man who didn't submit like, to any authority in his adulthood. Not didn't submit, but he had the right to kind of ignore all authority because he was over all authorities. There's one man who was king over every authority, and so he had the right to ignore any authority. Can you think about who I'm talking about? How did his life go? Did his complete submission only to God mean that everything was sunshine, roses, and candy? Or did it look like extended torture culminating on a suffocating death on a cross. All right, so let's just not imagine 
that if we were completely independent from everybody but God, that it was going to make everything easier. Because Jesus always completely obeyed his Father's will, and his life was regularly painful. So, it's rough. It's tough. So, Peter is addressing a church here, and he's addressing a church as a senior elder. He talks to elders, so in their church structure, they had elders, so they would have men who were responsible over the church, older men responsible over the church, and he addresses them as a peer, but also a bit as like a senior peer, because he would know that most of these elders in the church hadn't actually seen Jesus being crucified, and hadn't actually seen Jesus raised from the dead, and so he says, I'm a fellow elder with you, but at the same time, I'm also a little bit more graced because of my closeness with with Jesus, and he begins to appeal to them. And he appeals to them to not do and to do do some things. He wants them to do oversight, but not under compulsion, but willingly. He doesn't want them to do it for shameful gain. He does want them to do it eagerly. He doesn't want to do it in a, them to do it in a way that's domineering, but he does want them to do it as a way that is an example to the flock. And one of the first things that I see here is that God knows that Christians with authority get it wrong. And they need to be told to stop doing it wrong and start doing it right. Does that make sense? Like the Bible's a pretty short book for being the word of God. And I don't think God's wasting his time right here telling people not to do things that people aren't in any danger of doing. So you could change this for almost anything. You could say parents, you could say bosses, you could say older siblings who are left in charge of their younger siblings. Did I just sing the last people left here? Amen? Exercise your oversight, but don't do it just like as a terrible chore, but do it willingly for God. Don't do it selfishly for gain, but do it excitedly as a gift for others. Don't do it in a way where it's it's like control freaky, domineering, but do it as a way where you're trying to lead people into something. The temptation is, I see from this scripture, that when we have authority, we can make it about us and we can forget that it's ultimately about God. And what you need to know in order to do your authority well is that God really cares about you and me. God really cares about us so that we don't have to do it for shameful gain. God really cares about us so that we don't have to do it by compulsion. God really cares about us so we don't have to be domineering. We can do the other stuff instead. And I think there is temptation for shameful gain. There is, like, you know, do I go there? Do I not go there? I would think that if you were an elder in the first century, and you wanted to do that, like becoming an elder in the church could open up doors for business stuff with other Christians. It could open up doors for having that sense of like doing well that a title comes along with. It, it's, these are all these things like you can want it for a lot of different reasons other than just that you're called and you're serving and you're willing to suffer for a local church. 
But this, I think ultimately, whether it's a church setting, it's a political setting, it's a business setting, ultimately, I think this is where people who are under authority, we bristle and we lose trust and we, we fight. It's because we know that people who have the right to command can do it for the wrong reasons and it can cost us big time. Anybody? Right? Like, maybe you didn't get team your favorite choice in with the, with the, the federal election and the the fear can be they're, they've already done it wrong. That's an opinion, not necessarily mine. They've already done it wrong, and they're going to do it wrong more, and it's going to cost me big time. True fact? So he starts off by talking to people in authority, especially in a church. And, he, and he, he warns them and he corrects them. And he calls them to a different way of doing things than what is usually the way of doing things. And then he talks to the people in the church who are under the authority. And you who are younger. So there is this assumption of an age gap. And I'm sorry at Calvary, we don't have as much as of an age gap as we could. But we're working on it year, year after year. Trying to get older than everybody here? That's a bit of a joke. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And then he just says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And I think one of the things that this hits me with here is whenever I'm thinking about authority, or even whatever, I think if you... This, this part here where it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble is actually becoming my life verse because I think it best explains human life in general. If you're just looking for one verse that will explain everything, how history works, how nations rise and fall, whether families work or not, whether careers work or not, whether people get through stuff, whether people's faith endures through trials. If you want one verse that explains everything, I think it's God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so whether you're an elder or you're a younger, whether you're a parent or whether you're a child, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a student, whether you're a coach or whether you're a player, whether you're an MP or whether you're a citizen, the question for all of us is this. Do you want the grace that God gives to the humble? That's, that's the question. Wherever you're at, because you're gonna you're gonna go in your life, you're gonna go through everything. You start off as the crying poop machine. You may sometime be mayor, and if you live long enough, you'll probably go back to the crying poop machine stage, and you'll do everything all in between. But the question is, wherever you're at, do you want the grace that God gives to the humble? Yeah, and some people want it. They're saying yes right now. And that's the trick about authority as a Christian. is Whoever it is or whatever's going on, God stands behind every situation, whether you're called to the subject or you're calling to the authority, whatever it is, he says, clothe yourself, so wrap yourself, cover yourself, protect yourself, warm yourself, defend yourself, honor yourself, cover yourself, with humility towards one another, whoever you are, because you live in a universe where it is universally true that God will put up the stop sign if you're proud and he will pour out grace on you if you're humble. 
And then Peter goes on in the verse 6 there to begin to work in us a greater faith for this humility he's calling us to. And so he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so if you're following my logic here, he talks about leader group and he talks about follower group, whatever your situation is. And he tells us the way the world works is that there is opposition from God ready to happen to you. He loves you, but he's ready to hit the, he's ready to hit the stop sign on you. And there's also amazing, unearned favor and kindness and power for your good to come to you if you're humble. And so let me build up for you a desire for that humility. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I'm going to read this verse backwards. And so let's start here. The ultimate reason to participate with this is because he cares for you. Why should I be ready to humble myself? Because the God of the universe cares about you. If I'm a leader, why should I be ready to humble myself? Because the God of the universe cares about you. If I'm a follower, why should I be ready to humble myself under a bunch of corrupt dictators who won't buy me pizza for lunch? Threw you off there. Because the God of the universe cares about you. That's the ultimate reason to participate with God's way here is because by your faith in Jesus Christ, the Father God cares about you. So whatever happens, if people are doing good with their authority or bad with their authority, if people are doing good with their followership or bad with their followership, the God of the universe stands behind the universe saying, I care about you. So you can participate with my ways because I'm not going to blink and I'm not going to sleep and I don't get drowsy and I don't get distracted. I don't get, I don't drop the ball. I hold the ball. I play the ball. I move the ball. I'm over the ball. I'm around the ball. I'm under the ball. I control the ball and I care about you. And so you can participate with the humility I'm calling you to, whether you're a leader or a follower. Because, reading this backward, God knows that the position of humility in this dangerous life produces anxieties. We know we're vulnerable. We know we're, we're poor. We know we can get hurt. We know we can be afraid. We know all this stuff. And so we want positions where we can't get hurt, which I think ends up being often participating with pride. And instead, God says, start with the fact that I will always care about you. And look at these anxieties that authority and under authority produces. And give them to me. Give them to me. Cast them on me. Throw them at me. Throw them on me. Get rid of this. You're not strong enough to carry this stuff. So you've got to give them to me. And casting them on God is not it's not like this. When I was in my first year of university, I had this uh, rental room. 
and it was by myself, which probably wasn't a good thing because I started to ignore some of the uh, unclean parts of my, my room there, which wasn't really good. And so after being at university, I have all these university stories, I'm very sorry, but after being at university for a few months, I remembered that I had left a half-drank four-liter carton of milk in my fridge for a few months. And that thing, when I opened the door to finally deal with it, was like a, like, like a pig, a dead pig you'd left in the sun for a couple of days. It was just swole tight. It was just like ready to go. The, the plastic lid was all flexed and just ready to bust. And this was before the time of TikTok where I could have made a hundred bucks videotaping myself opening it into my own face or something like that. This was just way back in the Stone Age where people still used the internet for like ICQ and emails and stuff like that. But I just had to deal with this, this little cheese factory I'd left in my dorm room. And sometimes we can feel like these things that produce anxiety in us are like that. This thing like if you, if, you, if you ignore it, it will become a gross cheese factory that may explode in your life. But instead, actually, if you're casting your anxieties on God, what God promises instead is that what you're doing is you're getting underneath God's mighty hand so that he can exalt you at the right time. When you cast your burdens onto Jesus, what you're actually saying is, I would like to invest this trouble into the stock market of heaven, and at the right time, I would like you to cash this out with me becoming rich because of this. This is not the way we think of stuff. True fact? This is not the way we think of things that make us anxious, is that we can prayerfully try to cast this on God with the hope that we are handing it over to someone who is immensely powerful and completely wise, hoping that someday he will actually not see us defeated because of our troubles, but actually exalt us through it. Which should make the first part, the humbling ourselves, an exciting thing. Do you want to be exalted? Nobody? This is the time to have some godly ambition. This is the time to want something real bad. This is the time to stir up your your desires and your lust. Do you want to be exalted by God? Please, oh yes. Can somebody say yes? Like, that would be good. I wouldn't even mind you being exalted by God because there will be a splash effect, okay? There will be collateral damage. When you're exalted by God, it's good for everybody. And so we want this stuff. We want to be exalted by God. And anxiety-producing situations are an opportunity for us to humble ourselves under his mighty power so that at the right time we can exalt, be exalted by him. Whether you're somebody in authority or whether you're somebody not in authority, on either side of the divide, you can get that exaltedness if you'll embrace humility along the way. If we will embrace humility along the way. All right, I just want to be time conscious, so I'm going to skip over some stuff that you can read there as well about the spiritual warfare that can be involved with these things. But I do want to go to verse 10 here with the promise. And after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
And this is my hope. This is my hope for us. This is my hope for us as a church. This is my hope for us as an individual. Sorry, as individuals. This is my hope for us as Canadians and Christians. And hopefully at the the near end of COVID stuff, people, is this. God has this promise to restore and confirm and strengthen and establish. Just gotta, we gotta hold on until the right time, trusting that Jesus is the one who has all authority. Amen? There is this promise that Christ Himself, because He cares for you, because He knows you, because He loves you, because you're important to Him, because you trust Him, He Himself, not even an angel, (laughs) He Himself, He's not going to delegate. He himself will undertake the role of restoring and confirming and strengthening and establishing you. Amen? So I'm going to invite the team to come up. But I'm going to call the church to some humble time. Um, Heaven's opened a mobile food truck and it's serving humble pie today. Anybody want a little... Maybe not. The taste is a little bitter. Sometimes the angels forget to put the sugar in. However, it's very healthy for us. And when you're done your slice, there's some real meat and potatoes coming your way. So I want to invite us as a church. I've got lots of humble pie to eat in the near future, I'm sure. But can we ask the Lord if there's anything he wants us to humble ourselves about? If there's anything in our marriages we need to humble ourselves about, have we been being good listeners? Have we been being open-eared people? Are there any insults we said during the last fight that we haven't repented for yet? How about in our parenting? Is there any humbling we need to do? Were we thoughtless? Were we rough? Were we ungodly? Were we, did we miss something? Is there any humbling? Is there any sorries we need to give? In our workplace, is there any humbling we need to do? Any sorries? Any, I shouldn't have done that. Any, I could have been doing it better. So that we just need to communicate. Any kids here with their parents? Any sorries you need to give? Any, I could have done that. Or I missed the chore. Or... I was the one who ate that last piece of pizza or any of that stuff. Is there any just the humility of honesty or the humility of apologies that need to happen? In church, is there any humbling that needs to happen? And this is not a guilt trip. This is between you and the one who wants to personally restore, confirm, and strengthen you. The one who wants to exercise his unlimited authority to do you good. And so I just want to invite and call us. If there's anything you need to do, there's something so good on the other side of you taking that risk and me taking that risk too. Amen? Let's worship.